Welcome to the latest episode of our Business in Focus podcast, where we explore the business impacts of coronavirus. I'm Heather Melville, PwC's Director of Client Relationships Programme and Head of People Networks. The devastating impact of COVID-19 on people's lives all over the world has thrown into sharp relief the importance of community, collaboration and acting with purpose. And as we start to think about the economic recovery, we have a unique opportunity to build on this positive trend for purpose-driven action, making the UK fairer and better positioned for the future. In this episode, we'll examine some of the positive ways organising across the public and private sector have acted with purpose to support society through the COVID-19. And we'll take a look at some practical ways for business and government to collaborate and ensure a fair and sustainable recovery. I'm delighted to be joined today in our virtual studio by Quinton Cole and Dan Burke. Quinton is our leader of industry for government and health industries, and Dan is a strategy and partner who specialises in helping government and public sector clients with their reform strategies. Hi, Quinton, and hi, Dan. Hi, Heather. Hi, Heather. Nice to be with you today. The past few months have clearly been a really difficult time for many people in the UK, but it's also brought up some of the most positive aspects of society. Reflecting personally on my own experience of lockdown, I've noticed strangers being more friendly to one another, taking the time to chat, support each other. Quinton, what positive trends have you seen emerge as a result of the COVID-19? I think there have been a number of trends that have emerged, Heather. I mean, the pandemic has brought to the fore our own vulnerabilities, uh, those vulnerabilities of our family and our friends, as, as well as vulnerabilities in our communities that surround that us every day. And so I think there really has been a very distinctive shift in, in public sentiment. And people have been increasingly keen to get involved in their communities and, and to help society, and particularly the NHS, navigate the pandemic. I, I think our, or the public's appreciation of the NHS has gone up hugely. Um, I think the understanding of the pressures that the NHS has in terms of um, looking after patients in a normal day has gone up. And then when you overlay the burden of a pandemic, as we've seen, I think people now really understand not only uh, the challenge of running the NHS day to day, but also the fantastic work that NHS workers do in order to keep the, the show on the road and, and to keep us well. Um, in terms of getting involved, we've seen swathes of people sign up to volunteer over the last few months. Um, and when the government asked for some 250,000 volunteers to support the NHS, more than 750,000 people signed up, which I think says it all in many ways. In terms of business, many companies too have been really active in supporting um, the country and the public sector and the NHS in particular during the period of lockdown and, and as we speak. And you know, there's some sort of high profile examples about organisations pivoting to make ventilators when we need them, start businesses or change their businesses to, to produce hand sanitizer. But actually, that, that's the tip of the iceberg. And there's a vast number of businesses that have brought their capacity, capabilities and resources to bear to help where they can in, in whatever way. Here at PwC, we place huge emphasis on our purpose, uh, which is to build trust in society and solve important problems. And over the uh, period of lockdown and in the the, the last few weeks of, of recovery, um, 
we've been very active ourselves in supporting the government and our private sector clients. But also what's notable is that really high expectation from our own people, the 23,000 people in the UK, um, to make sure that we're following through and playing our part fully in helping the country. Uh, and there's been great interest uh, from our staff to understand the work that we're doing and the impact and outcome that it's having to support the challenge that the country's facing. I guess looking forward, you know, the next step for business and government uh, will be to reflect on some of the adjustments we've seen in that social purpose and that sentiment and to consider um, what it's going to look like going forward. But also, what, what, will, what can we retain in the UK in terms of those positive trends that can be built on uh, to allow the country to continue to, to transform in the right way? That definitely resonates with me. We've seen some brilliant examples of businesses giving back to communities by taking practical steps to support the response to COVID-19. But is there a business benefit to this? I think, that, I think there's a huge business benefit, certainly over time, Heather. Uh, I mean, more and more, the public is expecting business, businesses to fill more fundamental needs around safety, security and care. And, you know, I, I mentioned um, the kind of positive trends, but, you know, business, the public sector uh, and people's own contribution is very much at the heart of, of, of managing through uh, the pandemic. And, and therefore, expectations have, have got higher across all of those and, and business in particular. Uh, you know, we have seen that those businesses that um, have been seen to act with purpose uh, and supported society's response to the pandemic, um, you know, have received positive um, commentary um, in, in the public domain. You know, people are favourable to those sorts of organisations and those organisations are likely to, to weather the storm better because of the consumer sentiment to, towards them. Um, you know, organisations you know, need to be very much in tune with how they're perceived in terms of, you know, being a caring organisation self-interest versus that of the country and their community uh, and, and of their employees. And there's no real place to be tone deaf in, in the circumstances that we find ourselves in as a country. You know, those brands that genuinely care for their customers, employees and their wider communities, you know, are, are, are increasingly valued. Uh, and we are seeing trends where, you know, consumers will, you know, purchase in light of that. And, um, you know, there's information to suggest that more people have bought from those brands that they associate as supporting the NHS or the vulnerable uh, during this uh, this sort of COVID period. Um, and also almost the same number um, buying more from brands that are seen to look after their staff. And, and I think that is a trend that will last. And I think employees and the public will look at businesses very differently going forward as a result. Um, I think increasingly businesses that have a purpose beyond simply making money will also continue uh, to perform well because that will be recognised uh, by society and, and their actions will be very visible and, and measurable. Um, businesses do need to look at purpose as a way to support society's response to the pandemic, um, but it can also help them differentiate themselves and create a consumer affinity and advocacy through the crisis period and beyond, which you know, we'll have a have a commercial benefit, no doubt. Um, but it is also important to remember that there is only so much that we can do to support society's recovery. 
um, you know, as, as businesses. And I think, as I was saying, one of the positive trends is how businesses, public sector and communities have come together. And I think the important thing is everyone has to play a role uh, in both promoting um, promoting the right thing to do and ensuring that, that the country has a sustainable future. Thanks, Quentin. I think it's really important, as you say, that businesses recognise the commercial as well as societal benefits of giving back to their communities. Dan, if I turn to you now, sadly, one of the main challenges of COVID-19 is that it has exacerbated existing inequalities with those who are most vulnerable also being the worst affected. Could you tell us why that is the case? Yeah, I can I can certainly try, um, Heather. You're, you're spot on. Inequality and perceived unfairness was a huge issue in the UK before the pand pandemic hit. And the government's whole levelling up agenda is a reaction to that problem. Um, in 2019, actually, we did some research under the banner of our Future of Government campaign, and that told us that only around 30% of UK citizens at that time felt British society was fair and, and that it worked for them. I think over the past few months with the pandemic, we've, um, we've seen that unfairness really kind of come home to roost. Um, so a few examples. In, in health terms, it's, it's now well known, I think, that black, Asian and minority ethnic groups have been disproportionately affected uh, by the virus. Um, similarly, people who have underlying health conditions, perhaps live in poor housing, um, have also been disproportionately affected in, in health terms. In terms of the economic impact, we've also seen inequality and unfairness kind of play out. Um, workers in the gig economy, people on zero hours contracts, small businesses, the self-employed um, and part-time workers, um, which particularly impacts women, by the way, um, have faced worse economic hardship than than others. Um, we did a survey um, for PwC, which we carried out in March at the start of the crisis, which actually found that 70% of people who earned over £50,000 a year were able to work at home, compared to just 32% of those who earned below 20000 So even lockdown wasn't experienced uh, in an equal and fair way. Um, and finally, um, you know, one one for the future, young people um, may have felt to got off eat, got off lightly because they suffered less from the disease itself. But it's these people having their dis education disrupted, their jobs prospects damaged. Um, you know, and there's a potential generation of people leaving school and college and university um, who are going to have to bear the the brunt of increased debts um, in years to come. Uh, and people have started talking about the COVID generation as, as being a group that we really need to watch out for. Um, so yes, you know, uh, COVID-19 has exacerbated existing inequalities, but but many of them were there. Um, you know, it was important for us to tackle those before this started. It's even more important now. Thanks, Dan. That's really sobering to hear. Many of our listeners have read about the Prime Minister's commitment to build back better from coronavirus, pushing for a fair and inclusive recovery to support the individuals and businesses you mentioned. What needs to be done to achieve that goal? Well, thank, thanks, Heather. Nice, easy question. Um, this, I mean, this is a huge challenge, isn't it? How do we, how do we build, back, build back better, as you say? Uh, I think the first um, 
view perhaps is that this isn't something that government and business can do separately it needs to be a shared responsibility and that's why tackling the recovery in this way focusing on purpose is something that's really important um, and it's a shared responsibility for all of us to to find a way through uh, through this crisis and to recover effectively um, government's clearly got an immediate focus on developing um, its spending plans. Uh, it'll be running a spending review and announcing the results of that next month in September. Um, and it'll be very important, we think, for, to focus government spending and investment in a way which sort of deliberately reduces inequality and improves fairness. So that might mean in practice that funding for jobs and training and new skills programs are focused disproportionately on disadvantaged people and disadvantaged areas working closely with those um, community groups and others who are responsible for um, for making things happen on the ground um, maybe three sort of practical steps if you like um, that we we might you know we might might look for in, in the future plan so first one around um, digital infrastructure so I think one of the things we've found during the COVID-19 crisis is that it's really important that everyone has access to high quality, high bandwidth broadband of 5G to provide essential services, to help people work at home, more flexible ways, um, and even to make sure everyone's got access to, uh, you know, entertainment at home. Uh, so investing in infrastructure is, is really important. That, I think that might also help us find ways of breathing life into smaller towns. Um, because if more people can spend time, um, you know, where they live rather than traveling into the big cities, that that can, you know, may have other um, consequences, breathing life back into the high street, for instance. The, the second um, theme that we would um, we'd like to see and we think we're interested in, in participating in is investing in skills. So anyone you speak to around the economic recovery will talk about skills and upskilling helping people to learn the jobs that they need for the future, uh, learn the skills for jobs for the future is, is really important. Um, and businesses will really only invest in those areas of the country um, where they can access skilled workforces. A government and business really both have a role working together to, to try and bring that about. Um, and the, the third um, idea is around new technology. So, not surprisingly, there'll be a big focus, we think, on jobs, jobs of the future, uh, but really making sure that, you know, the generation of people leaving universities, leaving schools are able to move into jobs that are rewarding, pay well, and are focused on those technologies of the future that are going to make us successful. Um, and di but directing that investment in new technology into the places that really need it and are... Um, and our highest risk of suffering from from high unemployment, we think, is really important. So we we uh, we think that's a, a third sort of theme to explore. That's really interesting and exciting too to think about the possibilities of technology to make a difference to the way public services are delivered. To wrap, to wrap up, what are your final thoughts about how individuals, communities, and organisations can act with purpose and support society's response to the COVID nineteen over the coming months? If I come to you first, Dan? Yeah, thank, thanks, Heather. I think um, my personal view is we've got to focus on this problem of increasing inequality, whether that's around race, gender, income, 
places or age. We know that existing divides in society tend to widen during economic downturns, but we think there's a window of opportunity to to make sure that the impact of, of the coming um, problems around the economic recovery are, are minimized. Um, we're, we're about to launch a program of research looking at this very issue, and we're going to be um, to out talking to people about it. We, we think, so I think personally that's, that's the, the key thing to, um, to focus on next. Thank you. And Quinton? Uh, a couple of points to make here, Heather. I think, firstly, you know, government and business do need to carry, need, need to carry on working together. Um, in the way that we've seen in, in, in the lockdown period and the early stages of recovery. And, and what we mustn't do is sort of revert back into a more distant relationship. Um, it's really important that, you know, government and business collaborate. The government is already inviting business to contribute ideas about the recovery, which is fantastic. And I know business leaders are very keen to, to participate and support this. Uh, and that open door really should remain permanently open as we transition through the COVID recovery. I think it's really important that we also keep listening to the people who work in our various organisations and live in our communities. We all have a responsibility, whether that's business or government, to make sure that we capitalise on the opportunity to transform for the better. And perhaps my final point, and it, and it relates to some of the uh, points Dan was making, is we need to be understanding as we transition through the, the, the COVID recovery and the economic impacts, we need to be understanding that it affects, uh, has affected and the recovery will affect and the future of the virus will affect different parts of our society in different ways. And somebody, um, uh, myself, with a, with a father who's shielding, you know, it's important for us to consider that this is going to affect people very differently. Those people shielding, the people that care for them will be affected very differently and I think you know as individuals and as businesses and uh, as a government it's really important that we're sensitive to that uh, and really understand the impacts that this is going to have on different people and do our very best to insulate people from those issues and, and make sure that the actions we take uh, are, are done with you know the best interests of everybody in mind. Thank you both so much, Dan and Quentin, for sharing your insights and practical advice. And of course, thanks to everyone listening. To find out what's next for your industry, visit our website at www.strategyandpwc.com. This is where you can find our Strategy and Where Next report series, an industry by industry look at where we are today, what we're learning and how to respond to new challenges and opportunities. And look out for more from our Future of Government programme over the next coming months, which will focus on how government and businesses can address long-standing inequalities and work together to create and deliver a fair recovery. Please subscribe to keep up to date with all of our latest episodes. Thanks, everyone. See you next time.